This episode of Noise of the Broke Boys is brought to you by Food Pictures. Do you like bragging to your poor friends about the nutritious meals you get to eat that they can't afford? Or maybe you like to display your social status to the peasants that happen to come across your social media by showing pictures of takeout food you pretend to have cooked. Perhaps you have no friends because no one relates to your elitist behavior, and food is the personification of the deep sadness and resentment you have in your heart. If this is you, and I have some exciting news. Grab your camera and your favorite dish, and get ready for some fun. Arrange the dish in a pleasing way and aim your camera at an artistic angle. Before snapping the photo, go ahead and dip your camera into the food. Upon retrieval of your newly damaged camera, reflect on the decisions that you've made in your life and go find a real hobby. And now, on to the show. In this episode, I sit with a b-boy, educator, and community activist that I have tremendous respect for. We have a great conversation about hip-hop and where we see it going in the future. I'm very excited to get into it, so please enjoy this conversation with Guillotine of the Concrete All-Stars. Thanks for the snacks, man. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. My name is Kurt Rock, and I'm joined today with Guillotine. How are you doing, man? Yo, what up? Feeling good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I should have adjusted these mics a little bit before we started so that they're in your face a little bit better, so whoops. It's okay. This is a low-budget show, so it's all good. <laughs> um, so what's up, man? I know you're a busy guy because you, uh, you, you're you involved with, like, a lot of stuff, right? I know you do those, um, all those. Well, actually, how about you tell me what you're into because yeah. I know you got lots of stuff going on. Yeah, sure. Thanks, bro. Um, so, uh, well, I mean, right now it's, like, the second day of the new year, so I'm lucky I get a little break. Mm-hmm. Most of my classes are, like, on school break right now, so... Um, just kind of getting some time to reset and get ready and kind of like get back in shape a little bit yep. <laughs> after the holidays. But um, what I what I've been doing lately for work is I um, I work at Juice. Juice is yep. a non uh, nonprofit organization in Los Angeles that does hip hop culture. Um, we got an open session every Friday night. Um, it uh, now it's hosted at Belvedere Park currently because Salazar Park is under um, their gym is under renovation. Mm. So basically, while they're remodeling the gym, they hosted us at another park called Belvedere. Belvedere is dope. Um, it's a dope place for practice because they have like two different areas you could break, and they have like a um, blue like gymnastics training type floor. Oh, nice! So you can work on like blow ups and stuff. You're gonna crash land. Okay. You know, so or is that where that tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Friday. Okay. Yeah, Belvedere Park, East LA, um, and then every Saturday at uh, MacArthur Park by downtown LA, and that's a famous session spot that's been going on for at least uh, nine years. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I work at juice. Um, right now I'm taking a break from being a regular facilitator there, but I'm still going to work with them on other projects in the future. Yep. And I'm just trying to keep alive that free open practice space for B-boys and B-girls, people right. of all skill levels. If it's a person that breaks all the time now and they want to train with other B-boys and B-girls, if it's a person that hasn't breaked in 20 years and want to get back into it or somebody wants to learn for the first time, I tell everybody, yo, come to juice. We also got facilities for you to learn how to do, um, you know, make beats uh, do rhymes and work on emceeing mm. and beat production. You can also learn how to DJ if you want to yeah, because we yeah, have a yeah. dope-ass DJ at uh, Juice also. Yeah, so. nice. Yeah. Thanks, man. So I do that. That's my Friday and Saturdays, or that was. Now I'm kind of taking a break, but um, Saturday nights I perform at Breakroom 86, which is like a straight-up mm. 80s-themed nightclub. 
Yeah, I think you're <laughs> telling me about that. Yeah, so that's that's pretty fun. That's just something um, I keep it alive because it, it's uh, one of my homies runs it. So it's just like a fun way to kind of like keep me out of trouble on a Saturday night. Yep, make yeah. a little bit of extra money yeah. in the off hours and uh, be connected to some cool stuff because that 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 club is kind of. It's dope. It's kind of high end. We get to meet a lot of celebrities. <laughs> yeah, dude, um, I bet. Yeah, but not be bougie about it. You know, like we we break there. Like we dress like we're from the eighties yeah. and come out and break. So yeah. it's it's dope. I like it. Um, and then during the week, I work at okay. I do a fitness program at an elementary school four nice. days a week. Yeah, thanks, man. That one's really fun because yeah. that's in the morning, so it always gives me like a good start in the morning. Yeah. And then um, three days a week, I teach an art class at a nonprofit organization in uh, South Central LA at yeah. Lemur Park. It's called the Good Seed. Uh huh. And so I love that one too because uh, it's basically you know like I said it's for it's for homeless youth that are looking for transitional services. So oh yeah. Kids that are are trying to like take a shower do their laundry, get some food, get on a computer and work on their resume, apply to some different opportunities to get a job and get housing. Yeah, yeah. And then I do an art group. So it's kind of like art therapy. You know what yeah. I mean? I try to turn it into a career development because a lot of those kids are really talented artists. Yeah, they are. And so yeah. it's just like how we're talking and building on stuff right now. When I sit down with them and we start drawing and painting and stuff, they, you know, they start to build on their creativity and, uh, you know, that's a job I, I really love. Um, so I do that three days a week and then... Oh, I teach at a college. <laughs> Dude. I teach at a performing arts college called the Studio School. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah, so that one's dope. That's an, that's like that's like everybody there is like elite performers who have been in performance or dance since oh. they were little kids. Yeah, yeah. So you got the like uh, industry type of um, yep. dancers and stuff and they're kind of trying to learn some hip hop or something. Totally. And yeah. so I, that's another one I love. I have a very special love for that place because I come in there and just straight do b-boy shit and talk about yeah. blow-ups uh, not blow-ups um talk about uh, um doing solos freestyling yeah. battling hip-hop history like i show mm. my students uh like style wars uh documentaries like oh, yeah. that yeah because like what's up. you know so many people utilize and commodify hip-hop culture in so many ways and they don't even know where it comes from you yeah know what I mean? yeah it's it's crazy how that is is like the conversation rarely goes to b-boys and the involvement that b-boys had in hip-hop but it's almost the fundamental reason why it even exists which i think is crazy because yeah it's like all the famous hip-hoppers now are like rappers most most of the time right and you know there's not really mention of b-boys really but right it's you know the break the reason there's a break is because of a b-boy they were like hey Let's see that. Let's see that guy do some some moves for longer. Right. Let's extend this song, and then okay, yep. there it is. You know. Yeah, man. So so that's that's really dope because I get to educate those kids, those kids that are literally going directly into the entertainment industry. Yeah. yeah. I get to teach them about like, you know, foundation footwork, where this comes from, the history, the influences. Yeah. And um, give them that knowledge. And also, I, I try to do other stuff to kind of keep it real with them and talk about important things in the entertainment industry, like exploitation mm. and um, cultural appropriation and stuff like that. Mm. And try to keep them, keep their mental, uh, you know, their mental side a little bit more cutting edge. Because mm. I feel like a lot of people that come from a, that I've met, that come from a dance studio background, they're very good at being just told what to do and just do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, without questioning or thinking or yeah, being like... Yeah. You know, think deeper what, about it. That's what drew me to breaking, actually, is because, like, because 
I didn't dance before it. I did martial arts and I was just sick. I was like, I mean, I love the martial arts, but I was like, man, it feels so restricting in a way because it's like do this style do this style and i didn't know what mixed martial arts was back in the day i, I probably <laughs> would have done that if i had known what it was yeah. but i had no idea i just you know i would read like uh bruce lee's book and stuff and i'm like dude oh. this guy's talking some realness and you know anyway so like i found breaking and i was like oh this is a lot less dangerous than fighting <laughs> let's just try it. it looks so cool and then it was just like i went to the homies that knew how to do it and they were like you know, I say, how do you do it? And they go, oh, well, just come here, roll around, and, dude, that's breaking. And I was like, dude, I can just do whatever I want, really? And they're like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. You know, here's, here's some <laughs> of the moves everybody else does, but, you know, like, do it your own way or, or else you're a biter. So, right. Uh, and so that's what really drew me in because I could just do whatever I wanted, which, you know, at, at that age, you know, I was a teenager. I just, you know. That's all I wanted to do in the first place is do whatever I wanted. So right. it drew me in really quickly. And same thing with my brother. That's what's up. Um, but going back to what you're talking about with uh, your classes uh, um, with all these different people, uh, it, it's kind of similar to what my, my mother does. And I don't know if my brothers talked to you about that. Actually, similar to what my brother does, too. Um, my, but my mother, she used to work um, for a food bank in Sacramento. She's an artist. She's a painter. Dope. Um, and what she would do is she taught this class. I forget the name of it right now. Um, but it was basically, uh, it was called, oh, it's called w Women's Wisdom, which um, uh, women that were in, uh, I guess, difficult situations in their life, like, you know, they, they're homeless, whatever, something, you know, they're, uh, they've been abused or whatever. They could come to the food bank. They would help them out with different things, food, shelter, whatever they need, classes to get back on their feet. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, you know, had like, you know, such a rough time that they said, OK, we need to give these these women some creative uh, things, too. And so that's where my mom came in. She was like, oh, here, I'm, I'm a painter. Let me teach some classes. So she would come in, that's teach awesome. classes. Um, and she found that these women, you know, once they were in the studio with her, they would just kind of go wild, be, you know, let the true artist kind of come out. And so, um, you know, eventually she started doing art shows with the with the women that were part of her program. That's awesome. You know, letting people do it. I, I'm pretty sure they sold some of the artwork for a lot of money, actually. <laughs> That's um, dope, man. So, uh, you know, so it was, it, it, it was kind of a, a skill that they all learned as just as some kind of stress relief, but it became maybe something that they were really passionate about and that they could actually make maybe some money on. Yeah, but, that's great, man. Um, so, yeah, so I, I totally understand what you what you do and, and the importance of it because it's like creativity. I think it's highly overlooked definitely in, in school and it doesn't get emphasized as you become an adult. And I really think that that is one of the you know fundamental things of as a human that we strive to have. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And and to piggyback on that, I think a lot of the professional routes of a, of a person coming from a creative background, they take the creativity out of it. They do. You know, like like just, just in particular as an artist, you know, I've been an artist since I was a little kid. I always loved to draw, mm. you know, my first kind of like stab at doing more professional type of artwork was like, 
you know, I drew all the pictures in the school newspaper and the school yearbook oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. You draw your girlfriend's name and you draw pictures uh-huh. for people. But then when you get to a college age and you go, okay, I'm an artist. What can I do? And you're like, oh, graphic design. Mm-hmm. And um, I just was never really that excited by it. And now years and years later, I've done work where I've worked with graphic designers and they freaking, a lot of the ones that, that work for big corporations, they, they, they don't like it because it's like a corporate office environment. Yeah. And you're not using your creativity to create something new. You're creating like, like, I, like I'll just give you an example. I worked at a toy company mm-hmm. as a um, as a uh, structural prototyper. Mm-hmm. This is just part time work helping out a friend's uh, like like studio shop where they all worked in. Um, yeah, yeah. And we would meet the designers, and I was kind of thinking like, oh, this is cool. It's a designer. Like this is what I would be if I went to like art school. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh man, I fucking hate my job, and I hate <laughs> this person, and my boss is a dick, and uh, they want to tell me to design all these toy packaging, and it's whack, and. I always felt like, wow, you know, you, you have that, um, that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like everything's laid out. You have your insurance, you have your nine to five, yeah. the reliability of having that career, career yeah. but you're not in control of it and you don't even like it. Yeah. And yeah stuff like yeah. that makes me really sad to see an artist. Like they're like an art slave, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I, I totally understand that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I work as an engineer and like, there's creativity in it, but not much at all. And, you know, in a lot of, a lot of ways, you're kind of like a paper pusher and stuff. And so, um, you know, breaking has always been like my creative outlet Mm -hmm. to, to kind of get my mind off of this number crunching and all this other stupid shit Mm -hmm. and just kind of exercise the other side of my brain to do, you know, some other stuff, and that's kind of what this podcast is too. Is like finding out what uh, what makes other creatives tick, and uh, you know, kind of giving me my own thing to like do whatever the hell I want with. You know, put some dead flowers in a trash can, for instance, or <laughs> paint this stupid shit. That's dope, man. <laughs> I've been painted in so long, actually, but I used to paint all the time. My it's fresh here. I like the trash can. <laughs> it's kind of like a uh, thing uh, for me now. <laughs> well see so uh, actually this is probably maybe a good time to explain this a little bit is like the reason the trash can i think is kind of like a symbol for me in a way because it represents like kind of a container it's an empty container that really you can put anything in and we arbitrarily as a society say this is not worth anything the stuff we put in here is not worth anything mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, if this was made out of gold, you'd probably think differently of it. But why? Why just because it's gold? It's it's just a container to put something in, and I might highly value the stuff that's in there. And so it's kind of like counterculture in a way to have a trash can as a symbol for me is that I can put whatever I want in there, and I value it. And so, anyway, so like. <laughs> You got a trash can fire with, you know, some... Uh, Flaming boombox, meteorite. boombox, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I thought it was kind of funny too. But, that was um, dope. I like it. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. It's like, there, there's, there's value in things you might not see value in. And that's kind of yep. what I try to remind myself of. And that's why I use that. I love it, man. That's very hip-hop of you. <laughs> yeah. Take the image and flip it, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, let's talk about... So you're originally from Seattle? Yeah. Okay. And so did you start out as a B-boy? 
So you started out as a b-boy because I know you do graffiti as well. How did I, you get into the graffiti scene from there? I mean, I think I, I want to say I started at both very simultaneously. Mm. Like when I was really little kid, like like 10 years old and younger, I always saw graffiti and was like, yeah, like what is that? You know, yep. and I always felt like, wow, I'm I'm drawing comic characters in a notebook, but this person drew it on the wall with full colors. Like, yeah. whoa, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, And that was always, like, something I was kind of obsessed with. And then same thing with when I would see kids break, because sometimes here and there I would see people break randomly, and I'd be like, that's that's the craziest movement. Like, that's, like, something I really want to do because it's just, there's something so original about it but but very organic about it, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I was obsessed with martial arts too when I was when I was a kid. When I was in middle school, I used to take taekwondo. Oh, cool! Yeah, I yeah, did too. Yeah, right. And so when I would see kids break, I was like, that around that same time, I was also watching a lot of uh, like hip uh, 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 kung fu movies. Oh yeah. And then also I started getting into Wu Tang Clan. That was like the first hip hop yep. that I started listening to. Yeah, yeah. And they and they use like kung fu sounds in their in their hip hop music. And so yep. I was like, this is all kind of tied together. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then when I when I got a little older, I think I was like 14, I saw this documentary called Style Wars. Mm-hmm. And that comes from the 80s and that was just like a blueprint that gave me all the info I needed. And yeah, once yeah. I saw once I saw that, I was like, bam, that's me. I'm I'm going to yeah. learn about graffiti and get good at it and I'm going to learn about breaking and how to, like learn how to break. So. Yeah, yeah. No. I I I feel like I have a similar story is is you know, kind of like always seeing it going like what is that it's really cool i wonder what that's all about and then just you know coming across uh just a slew of information I, I, it probably was Star- style wars that i watched there was some documentary i watched a long time ago but yeah it was just like this is what hip-hop is and i was like okay that is everything i wanted it to be and so i'm glad that that's what it is because this is this is tight this is hype I'm all about it. So let's go. And I was maybe only like 14 or something at the time. So yep. that was like, you know, it just all clicked to me. And then I, it, it was almost like I was always a hip hopper and then didn't know what it was called until I right. was like introduced. You to were it, you already I mean? moving congruently with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so that, that's dope. Um, so what do you think about um, the age of hip hop? It's like, because I was talking to someone earlier today about it, is I realized that hip-hop is, you know, 50 years old, maybe. (laughs) Crazy. Dude, and, you know, I have been deeply into the scene for almost 20 years and maybe invested into it even a little bit longer than that before I even knew what it was, really. And that's like a third of the time to a half of the time that it, it's even been alive. I, right. I was like, whoa, what the heck? That's kind of a crazy thing to realize. Totally. That it's such a young thing and that it's ever growing. It's not like, um, it's not like some of the other things that we see out there. It's like we are, uh, whether we, we understand this or not, we are like still the beginning pioneers, I guess, of like what hip hop is going to be in like 100 years. Exactly, know? dude. It's, yeah. it's kind of crazy to think about that. Yeah, I love that. And um, I think that, you know, another thing we see now, because guys like me and you are at that age where we're getting married, settled down, having kids. And so mm-hmm. now if you're a dad who comes from hip hop, you want to take your kids to like 
you know, like dads do dad stuff. Like, oh, they get your to get their kid in sports or music or yeah, yeah. whatever. But yo, you can take your kid to breaking. Take yeah, him, yeah. take him to an open practice spot, have him break, or get him into, um, you know, DJing or rhyming or or art, mm-hmm. graffiti art, and like that's a thing now. You know, is, and yeah. I think that's beautiful. I think it's so cool to see how it's gone all the way around the world and come back. You know what I mean? And we have people like from other countries that took up hip hop because they loved it and ended up influencing our hip hop mm-hmm. culture in America. Yeah. You know, I think that's so dope, dude. And I'm always, it's always blowing my mind to see the level that hip hop is, is taking it to like, like mm-hmm. every time there's something new, you know, like, Oh man, there's a Netflix series about hip hop. Oh dude, yeah, there's yeah. all these new docs about it. Oh dude, there's another movie about hip hop. Like, Oh shit. Like I, I love that because I feel like people are passing it on in the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's some, there's obviously, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get into it. There's obviously some stuff at from, from our generation where we look at it like, what? Yeah. What is that? You know? Yeah. But, but, but to me, that's also a part of it. And you got to take, you know, take that with it and, and keep alive what you think is important. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, a, it's like a martial art. We got to keep the style alive. So, yeah, actually I have a question. Um, cause, cause this really ties into what you're saying is, um, what are your thoughts on like the new style of hip hop now, like the mumble rap and all that stuff <laughs> compared to like what we grew up with, which yeah. is like nineties kind of style. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Cause I know there's like a lot of mixed opinions about it from yeah. people like our age. Totally. Um, I think I just see reflections in this new style in the same new so-called new styles when I was young. Mm-hmm. Like when I was, when I was getting into hip hop, it was like, I love, you know, boom bap type hip hop or underground hip hop or mm-hmm. or backpacker type music. Yep, yep. But I also did like some more trendy club type music because it has a dope beat and you can vibe to it, especially as a B-boy. Mm-hmm. You can identify with that. Yeah. You know, but then there was, I, okay, I, I got to admit, I specifically remember hating on like cash money millionaires, uh-huh. no limit yep, type yep. because I was like, okay, you guys are kind of using a commercial or superficial type of information based in your raps mm-hmm. where these other MCs are talking about positivity, knowledge, yeah. creativity, something different. If you're going to say it the same way, oh, you have to yeah. flip it, make it different. You know what I mean? However, that movement is, is like party music. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's how I look. And I like it too, bro. When you, when you look at the samples, the influence, how they made like the bass and the hi hat more mm. important in the beat than yeah. different things. And I like that music too. And it has yeah. a dope vibe to it too. So, you know, I, I feel that way about a lot of the rappers out today. I think that it's, it's very different. Um, definitely a lot of the <laughs> conscious minded cultural movement has like left and come back. Like yeah. I'm always kind of, it's blowing my mind too, to see now the female artists that are talking about empowering stuff for females. And yeah. we did not have that. Yeah, we come didn't. As much. No, you know, it was yeah. like Lauren Hill, Erica Badu, a couple yeah. other artists like that. Um, you know, like, but now it's a lot more of them. And it's a much more powerful thing. I think that's amazing. Yeah. You know, you got to acknowledge what's positive that's coming out of it. And, and I see, like, even now, a lot of older rappers are coming back, releasing new albums, and kind of dropping tracks where they're kind of mumble rapping a little bit. Yeah, oh yeah, Just to be are. like, I can do that shit too. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I like that. I'm like, that's what, yeah. what hip hop is supposed to do. It's supposed to be like acrobatic and be able to be flexible and, and yeah. make fun of stuff and, and, Go and elevate it. by going there. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I had a similar uh, perspective on it too. Cause when I first, you know, I, I used to be all into like conscious kind of hip hop and stuff. 
um, you know, some of the other kind of party music, I was like, okay, it has its time and place. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's not really for me. Um, but then something common has a, a lyric in one of his songs where he says, if I don't like it, I don't like it. That don't mean that I'm hating. True. And that like really resonated with me back when I first heard it. Cause I was like, you know what? That doesn't mean it's not hip hop and I shouldn't like try to hate on it because of that, because it's right. just someone else's perspective on that. And so with that mind that with that mentality, I was like, I got, I gained like a bigger respect for what they were doing. And, you know, was more accepting to it, you know, like, I, I guess I stopped being the hip hop police, <laughs> you know, in a way, <laughs> yeah. like, cause I was like, you know, oh, I gotta keep this thing real, but it's like, no, you're not keeping it real. You're just being a hater. You're yeah. there. They took hip hop to a different place than you thought it was going to go. Right. But that doesn't mean that it's a, it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and so I look at that, I look at mumble rap the same way. Like when I first heard it, I was like, oh, what the hell is, what, what are these guys doing? Mm -hmm. But then the thing, you know, that thing in me clicked again going like, you know what? Hip hop has always kind of been this counterculture thing. And what is mumble rap? They're going, you know, we don't want to sound like the guys before us. You know why? Because we don't want to be biters. Let's do something different. Let's, you know, in a way like mumbling. So you have to kind of listen harder or whatever to understand what's going on is like their artistic expression of what they're trying to do in a way. Sure. You know, and so, uh when I started realizing that I'm like, dude, they're doing the same thing I was doing, you know, everyone else was doing. And so I can't hate on that. That's hip hop. That really is hip hop. Yeah, man. And I, I mean, I, I personally, I, I'm like a reverse hater. Like when I see older heads hating on new hip hop, mm. I'm like, man, what are you doing, bro? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause exactly. I, you know, I have social media, I have Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. So when I see people, you know, they post a video of somebody who broke down in an interview and said some whack shit or, said something that was negative against legendary iconic hip hop artists. Cause mm -hmm. they're not obviously not educated about the importance of these artists, mm -hmm. which, you know, I can understand that, but it makes me sad when somebody who's older is pointing at the youth and being like, Oh, these youth are so crazy. It's so out of control. Yeah, yeah, look yeah, at them. Yeah. Look, I can't believe they're doing that when it's like, yo bro, it's the same thing people were saying about us when we yep. were teenagers. Yep. When I was a teenager doing graffiti and doing breaking mad people, will shake a finger and be like, you're whack. You don't know what you're doing. That's yep. not a part. You don't know what this is. Yeah. And it's like, yo, I'm here. I am 20 years later, keeping this shit alive. So yeah. my, my answer to those people is like, don't hate, you know, like find the positive in it or promote what's positive. Like yeah. what's dope to me now is you got people like, um, another, my other favorite podcast, um, Noriega and, uh, this mm. fool DJ EFN, they have a podcast called drink champs. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's ratchet. Like they get drunk and they smoke weed and stuff, <laughs> but they talk about hip hop nonstop and it's on a yeah. major platform and they got millions of listeners yeah. and they're literally giving you direct history of hip hop culture right there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I love that. And it takes these artists and makes them relevant again and gives them another push in the popular culture to be like, yo, LL Cool J still around. Wyclef, you know, if you know about their history and how they made their hip hop music, which is iconic mm -hmm. and classic. Yeah. You know, you can learn more about yourself and what you're doing and what's happening now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I like that. It's, it's kind of like, I guess, getting, spreading the message of like what hip hop actually is and not trying to like define it under the terms that you had when you first were introduced to it, you know, because totally. it is an ever-growing thing. 
and it's gonna evolve recognizing that yeah and recognizing that it's going to evolve yeah yeah and so i guess with that in mind breaking right now is evolving a lot too and i I know the scene is very different from when i started as it is now and and in the future we're going to see it uh even more different because now the breaking is going to the olympics and stuff and so it's like crazy i feel like the scene right now is we're we're kind of like approaching this this thing with the olympics and i feel like that's going to be the stage where maybe a lot of people that have never you know have never been introduced to it Mm. are going to see this for the first time and so i I, what i want to do is welcome those people and show them like what it's all about and here's here's some history here's you know here's what you missed on all the years that you weren't doing this <laughs> right and now you know now enjoy right. the rest of what this is you know and yeah. so that's kind of what i'm trying to do with this podcast is like kind of document what what's going on in the scene what you know everyone's thoughts on it and like have something there so that when someone comes in who's who's never seen hip-hop before and was introduced to it they can go oh, okay i think i understand a little bit yeah here's some background information yeah and then you know here's you know i guess it's your foot in the door in a way and you can easily go down the rabbit hole as you did as i did in our own lives but we had to get we had to get our introduction somewhere and nowadays you know most people's introduction is through like social media or whatever and so it's like i'm not too big on social media or anything um so i'm trying to at least like put my thoughts out there somewhere so yeah that's good no man that's that's totally um important crucial yeah so i guess what do you see with with the future or like i guess from when you first started in the scene till now and beyond how do you see this going oh man oh i don't know it's a hard question so yeah that's a vast vast uh answer like when I first started in breaking and very, very, very first started, I got really lucky. The first jam I ever went to was like a, an epic jam. Like mm. I was like 15, I think, and my homegirls told me about it. And they're like, yo, let's go. Because they knew older hip-hop people in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went, and I think the jam is called Breakbeats, and a jam, it's a jam that Crazy Legs was throwing on a tour where he'd throw them all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so it was so dope. All these B-boys from all over the West Coast came. And that was the first jam I ever went to. And I got to see, like, L.A. Breakers, Cavemen and Ruin, um, Iron Monkey, uh, Energetic, all these people from from down here in L.A. and the Bay Area, people like B-boy Wicked, B-boy Ivan, Mm -hmm. um, all the people from Seattle, like the young Massive, before they were Massive Monkeys, I think, Mm -hmm. um, the younger, like, Circle of Fire people Mm -hmm. and see all these styles. Like, I specifically remember... Just looking at people, how they were dressed and how they would dance. And I'd be like, wow, everybody here has their own style. Mm-hmm. Like there was a kid and he had a Kung Fu suit, like a silk Kung yeah. Fu suit and a Kangol hat. And he was doing like Kung Fu movements with his hands. I was like, oh shit, that's so sick. And then like. It's like a Comic-Con. See, yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. like a crazy like comic book character throwdown, showdown. Like yeah. you see like. like um. Like one of my favorites, even from back then, from that first jam was Jeromeski, because Jeromeski had mad, he had mad style and like a cocky attitude, like yeah. Bruce Lee kind of. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's dressed like he's like a little sports player or something, so he looks like he's gonna like fuck you up with his style. <laughs> and then like um like caveman, caveman looked 
like a badass. You know, he yeah, looked like from yeah. the street, like he could probably could whoop your ass. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But he then could. he's gonna do some hard ass, like shoulder halo, impossible yeah. type movements. You know, like, and so that that was my first introduction to b boying and hip hop. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I think has kind of left a little bit is like that aspect where you want to look at the next person and go, nah, homie, I I dance differently than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Because, yeah, yeah. A lot, yeah, no, I think that's right. Is uh, back then it was like you you recognized people's styles and and that they were good at what they're doing, but you're like, yo, my style is better, and then this is what I bring to the table. And right. now I think it's more like people approach it and they go, wow, I like what that guy's doing. I want to take it and flip it or something. Right. You know? And so it's kind I'm of going to buy the same mentality. sweatpants he has. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. I want to dress like that guy or what, right. you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so it's kind of, di- and I, I have a feeling it, it has something to do with the social media uh, world is that a lot of people get, you know, get their kicks on social media and, you know, the, they see, you know, someone who's popular there and they go, okay, let me try to emulate what th- this guy does. Cause he, is obviously popular on, you know, on social media or whatever. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I think the jam, the the aspect of events and, like, getting ready for events and jams and stuff is not so important anymore because you can still, you can still get the clout you were striving to get on social media now. Right. Whereas before, it's like, there is no social media. There's barely an internet. It's just this jam this month and that's it. Exactly. <laughs> Go yeah. hard. And <laughs> I mean, it, there was maybe one jam. Yeah. There was one jam that you knew there was going to be a ton of people at. Right. And you were going to see a ton of B-boys there. And all the other days, the only people you saw break was your crew of, right. you know, probably three to maybe 10 people if you were lucky, mm-hmm. you know? And so that jam was like so freaking important to you that you were like, dude, okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta make sure that I'm hitting everything. And if, right. it, if someone's trying to battle, I'm going to smoke them or whatever, you know, right, you're right, coming right. correct every single time. And so it's, yeah, it's a different, it's kind of different. Yeah. I think too, there was that influence in hip hop. Like, you, I mean, once again, taking back to the mumble right thing, you could see how part of the, Part of the coolness of it is the conformity to be like, it's lit, it's wet. Look at what I jump in that bed. You know, like, <laughs> like, like if I can follow this formula, I can find success and be cool kind yep, of thing. Yep. Whereas with the original, or, or not the original, but, you know, when, when, I, when I was getting into it, it was like, okay, but flip it, though. Like, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. act like the, the last person. Don't let that be a standard of coolness or a key to unlock your, you know, street cred or whatever. Mm. Keep pushing it. Like mm-hmm. flip the shit in another way to show that you actually are more creative and more intelligent, and you can push this thing further. So I think that's kind of a a big change that happened. Um, and I think I think with the dress code, I feel like there was so much more other stuff involved in hip hop that was coming in, and part of it was like street culture, um, gangster stuff, mm-hmm. uh, martial arts, um, sportwear culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And after a while, it it became like like um instead of looking like a character i think you wanted to look like you could do more flares than the next person you know what i mean oh like, yeah yeah kind of like oh, I, yeah. I will oh. win by doing more instead of like i will win by being totally different yeah yeah yeah. does that make sense yeah i don't know no that makes a lot of sense yeah i mean i just look at 
b-boy I, I i guess it's i think the 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 most definitive thing you could see is that people that break in this era versus people that break in like late 90s or so um it's hard to say it's hard to pin a style to that like late 90s early 2000s era mm. But nowadays, it's like I can probably think of maybe a handful of b-boys that probably define that era very much so. And it'd be like somebody who's somewhat well-rounded, has like, you know, decent powered, you know, every every blow up type of freeze or whatever. Right. You know, enough basic footwork to like, you know, do a really nice CC or something. And, right. uh, you know, uh, you know, basically... That that kind of formula that works on the like BC one level, right? Yeah. And so to take it a little further, this is one thing that I see as very popular now. It's a style of breaking. I call it one of everything. And the dude comes out and does one of everything. He does <laughs> one top rock, one burn, one go down, one footwork, one transition, one spin, yeah. one freeze, one blow up, one beat hit, and that's it. And I feel like in their mind they're like, I just did everything. You can't beat that. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yo, you had no style. You did the same like. Shout out to those b-boys that you described, because mm-hmm. to me, those are the people now that are pushing this culture to new audiences yeah, yeah. and being the the main influence now. That's like, this is what b-boying is, so you have to be good like that. So I, yeah. I think that is a part of it. It's important to to respect that. But I think a lot of the, a lot of the younger heads, because of YouTube and social media, that's how they're consuming it. Yeah. They're, they're sort of taking this to like a... Take push, basically pushing in the sporting direction rather than like yeah. back... And, you know, back then it was like, nah, don't do that. You're being a biter right now. Or like, mm. nah, man, come on, dude. Like, yeah. be different. We're, or like you literally go in a group with your friends. You say, we're all going to be different from everybody else. Yeah, but we're yeah, going to yeah. be together on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And so, I mean, I, I think there's still a lot of crews that do that, which is dope. I'm not trying to say that stopped. It's just I, a lot of the jams and practices that I go to, I see a lot of b-boys that are like mm. the one of everything style. Yeah, that's a way of describing it. That's all good. Yeah. No, um, what there's a you know, uh, one guy that I've always liked a lot is Jan. Um, from yeah, uh, he's crazy. Like, and the reason I like him so much is that he's not a one of everything b boy, but if you if say your style is just you're like you love just doing top rocks or something and you battle that guy, he's gonna answer you. With just top rocks, and he might smoke you. He's too. gonna rock your ass. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly. gonna go. And then if it, say you're just a powerhead or something, and you just do power against him, he might go. Okay, well, here's some power moves too. Right, and he might smoke you too. So it's kind of like totally. He's a he is he is like an everything b boy, but he does have a like a definitive style. Too. He has like he's, a vocab in each of those things. He, he's got a huge vocab. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. He's he's a dictionary right. of of. of of uh just yeah styles or i don't know what to say but yeah, yeah. he's just different elements of b-boy and yeah. and uh, and another thing that he does which i like is he throws his own style into it you yep. could see he's a guy that has obviously a very flexible back you know what i mean yeah. he's always doing like crazy rainbows yeah. where his foot's almost touching the ground and back bends and crazy dolphin dives in and out of his power and shit and like yeah. That's dope. That's his. He discovered that probably very early on in his breaking, yep. and that's like part of his style. He's a person that, if you see a silhouette of him breaking, you'll recognize him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, that definitely. to me, those are always the greatest ones because they have their their style of how they move is like comes from the yeah. shape of their body, and then also probably their their background. You know what I mean? And then going from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 
Yeah, he 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 does it really well. Um, uh, and what I'm talking about is um, where like sometimes I'll watch him and I'll go like, dude, what the heck did that guy just do? And I'll like have to rewatch the video or whatever, <laughs> or, like or hope there was a video that I can rewatch of it. And I'm just like, what the heck was that? That's crazy, crazy, crazy. And then like finally it clicks in my head. Oh, that was like a CC, but he just did his own little twist to it right? and made it his own move. And I think that's, like, the dopest way to really, like, show show that you understand the dance is that you took a fundamental move that literally every b-boy does and you made it into something that's your own that was hard for someone who's been dancing for 20 years to, like, even recognize right. as a fundamental move, you know? Um and I think the first person I ever saw do that was Migus from Boogie Brats. Oh, was sick. like, I w- when I first saw that guy, I was like blown away. I'm like, dude, what is he doing? It's like, <laughs> it's it's like he's going in a different dimension or something. Because it's like right. he had all these weird little things. It seemed like everything had it. It's like his hand would go this way. And then you're, 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 he was telling your brain to look at this. And then he would do something over here. And you're like, <laughs> right. oh, shoot. He tricked me. Right. And, and that's kind of like when I when I understood that it's like he was tricking you the whole time. It's like a magic act almost. It made <laughs> me want to like kind of do that is like, tr- you know, trick you into thinking I'm going to do something and then do something else. Because I was like, that is like such a cool way to uh, to kind of blow someone up in a way. I, I call it flow up instead of like <laughs> blow up. It's, that's what's up. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. No, I used to love. To watch that guy because he's amazing the way his um how fluid you know his movements are and w- like when you say that term flow up that that really makes me think of like um circle of fire like orb and free oh yeah yeah those guys are like that too like they'll they'll will, they will flow on you and yeah. like it'll just blow you away like it's crazy um because they're they're like control of the dance like they don't have to do i feel like i feel like they're very well rounded, but it's more like just their own style. It's not like mm-hmm. I did a power set with like swipe ninety flare just, air flare. Like they just flow and everything just fits together yeah. so well. Where you're like, whoa, damn! It just it looks like they just made up their own dance in a way. Like, <laughs> right when you see it, and you're like, oh, what the heck is this? It's like it. It's like I know it's breaking, but it's almost you know it's it's almost different than breaking. But I mean, I guess that's that's the point. But um. Yeah, no, I always liked Free a lot. I always liked Orb a lot. Um, Circle of Fire, they, the, that's a very revolutionary crew, I think. Um, did a lot for the scene. I mean, and they still are, as far as I understand. They're still, like, oh, yeah. out there doing their thing. I know um, Seth, uh, he lives in the Bay Area. Um, so, so I lived in Oakland for, like, five years. And um, so I would always, like, hang out with him, break with him and stuff. And so I Dumb. know him, yeah. He, that's what's up. He, he kind of has, like, a kind of capoeira style or something it's it's interesting yeah yeah oh, dude i love it man that guy's the homie too like shout out to south seth circle fire all those guys bob the balance bob the balance <laughs> i haven't heard that sick, name in dude. a long time yeah. yeah that guy was good too mm-hmm. yeah those guys were always cool they were like cool older brothers yeah and and i feel like especially for seattle they brought a lot of opportunities like straight to us and sh- like showed in our face like look like red bull lords of the floor Mm-hmm. was a crazy jam. I, yeah. I don't know exactly how Bob the Balance was involved, but I know he that was one of the big first times when Red Bull got 
into breaking and was like, here's, you know, whatever the budget is, let's mm. do something crazy. And like, and he was involved with that. Yeah, he was. Wow. Yeah. I think he like organized it or something. I don't know yeah. exactly. That's, but yeah, that's crazy. Cause like you look at how involved Red Bull is with the scene now. Mm-hmm. And as far as I, as I know, that was the first jam that Red Bull was even involved with. Right. So, um, and that's, you know, obviously a legendary uh, event, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where Red all these other people came in. I think, yeah. One of the biggest things for me was was being because I was like eighteen mm-hmm. when that happened, or seventeen maybe. It was seeing all the people they flew out in yeah. in person instead of on a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also realizing like, oh, I seen that dude on the B Boy Summit ninety nine. Yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah. The yeah, cipher, yeah. that's that one guy. And oh shit, I see. Oh damn, that's intrigue. Oh, but that's actually Migas. You know what I mean? Like cats yeah. had different names, and it was like, wait, but that's oh, like it was so yeah. cool to see him in person and. It was kind of like a mind-blowing thing, you know? Yeah. What I always thought was funny was that, like, because you had this grainy-ass footage that you would see these guys on, and and it's, you know, like, people you never met before, and then you go to a jam, and you're like, oh, who's this guy? He looks like he's important or whatever. And then you see him break, and you're like, oh, that's free. It, like, clicks in your head, and you're like, oh, that's what his face looks like. Because you recognize the movement, right? You recognize his style, and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, shit. You know, like, oh, that's Rob Zilla, okay? That's, like, it. Dude, he's another one. Oh, man, that guy was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Rob Zilla's dope. He's still good. He sometimes comes to practice at at my brother's house. Um, We'll train and stuff, and he's still got... He's creative as hell. That's what's up. I swear, that guy has so many moves mm-hmm. just and he it, it's like when he approaches the dance he goes like what are you expecting me to do oh okay i'm gonna do the complete opposite or i'm mm-hmm. gonna do that in reverse and i'm only gonna use my elbows or something and right it's like okay <laughs> right dude no i love it yeah his style is very complete like very crazy yeah just i i feel like he's one of the first um uh like a blow blow up move artists I've ever seen mm-hmm. is where it's like, cause you know, like the typical blow up guy is just like, you know, hand hop and stab into like a, you know, air chair or whatever. Right. It, you know, that takes a lot of difficulty, no doubt, but there's a lot of artistry in the way that Rob Zilla would blow you up. Cause he right. had that sort of athleticism too, mm-hmm. but he would just like, do something crazy, like some, that weird little swipe thing he does, and then he'll like go on his fingertips and like, you know, take his <laughs> shoe off in the middle of it. Right. And it's like, holy shit, how did he do that? That was the craziest thing I ever seen. And it was also like, you know, super, um, just su- super artistic. I, it's like, right. It's just like he not only blew you up with athleticism, but he also blew you up in like the weirdest shit he could think of. So mm-hmm. yeah. And hard, like difficult. So like difficult. A lot of those signatures I still haven't seen anybody do yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the Mothra style where he has the like moth wings. Yeah, yeah. Like, His I mean, there's Grinch people that do that, that a little does. bit, but I feel like, yeah, the Grinch thing, yeah. the freaking, he would do like elbow tip spins, like with his hand on his hip oh, yeah, kind of thing yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, dude, he was, man, that guy was crazy good. Yeah. yeah. I want to get him on the show actually eventually. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to um, do Ace tomorrow actually. Oh, tight. Yeah. That's a guy that has a lot of history. A lot of history. I mean, yeah, he's deeply embedded in the Southern California uh, breaking history for sure. That's sick. It's like, I feel like he's the, um, I don't know, he's like so damn smooth. Just, uh, (laughs) 
Yep. Yeah. It like you see, you see a little bit of him in so many, like OGs. It's crazy, and yeah, it's probably because he taught a lot of them. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I feel like it's it's really cool to see somebody like him because he realizes like wow, there's people in this area that were very well rounded. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. 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 Like very well rounded, like yeah. a little bit of everything. Yeah, because historically, Southern California was known for like power moves and just right. like doing some crazy stuff. And then you LA got breakers type of style, like y- yeah. But yeah. then you there's also like a very rich history. Yeah, like a uh, um, little Caesar, mm-hmm. perfect example of like dudes that'll just like go crazy on you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah, Los Angeles has like a huge history of like some. Styles beyond that too, and so I think Ace is a good example of that. Totally, yeah. Um, so, uh, so we didn't really talk about the Olympics. What do you think about breaking in the Olympics? Man, um, something I've been asking probably everyone I've had on, just because it's right. such an interesting uh, place that we're about to go to. Totally, um, I think that one big thing about breaking. When you break, every b-boy can identify with this. I think um, people have so much miscon- uh, misconceptions about it. Yeah. You know, like, think of the things a normal person says to you, like, oh, you break? Oh, dude. Like, do you get in a lot of dance battles? Like, when you go <laughs> to the mall or something? You yeah, know, like, yeah. Oh, you break? You must have uh, crazy upper body strength. Like, uh-huh. You must be able to bench, like, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, none of those things are true, you know? Yeah. And I, I just think that the, the misconceptions about it could possibly be like crazy magnified mm. by this situation. Possibly, yeah. possibly not. It could be great for us, you know. Yeah. So I want to keep my mind open to the positivity, and I, I personally would love to be involved. I'm the type of person like mm. I'm good at talking and hosting and doing stuff like that. Like I would love to be the commentator talking at the Breaking Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Because when I do that, I'm going to talk about where that person's from, what crew they're from, what country they're yeah, from, why yeah, they dance yeah. that way, why they're dancing that way at this moment. To you know, like. I think that, that that's an opportunity that all of us have to bring this culture with us into the forefront, into this spotlight, mm. in a positive, yeah. on a, in a positively motivated sense. I, it could be fantastic. Yeah. You know? I, I agree. I think it's, like, a very good opportunity for the scene to showcase, like, what we have been up to since you last saw us, like, in the freaking 80s or whatever. Right. You know? and um, And I hope that... Everyone else is recognizing that it's a huge opportunity, but we also need to get our acts together for it because if we go into it blindly and, you know, yeah. uh, don't introduce the public to it the right way, mm-hmm. you're going to have some wild ass shit happen and they're going to get the wrong. Because someone's going to be out there saying, okay, this is what's happening on these battles. And it's, you know, this guy just rolled on the ground. Oh, that was cool. Oh, what do you call that? I, right. Let's call it, a, you know, the rolly do. You know, yeah. you don't want that to happen. Yeah. And so it, it, almost like commentators are probably the most important thing, at least for the introduction to everyone else into the scene. Because in my mind, the battling is going to happen. It's We've been doing this shit, you know, our whole lives. It's going to happen and it's going to be right. Um, so I'm not worried about that. The battles are going to be hype. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm more afraid of like how the public is gonna be introduced to it. And yeah. so that's why um again, I think this podcast is a good way to like get give I guess give the uh 
the the call to everyone that there needs to be some thought into this totally before we just kind of blindly step into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think another really big aspect of the culture that we are seeing a shift um, with late uh, recent, um, you know, big sponsored battle formats is that you compromise the music. You yeah. can't play. James Brown, Eric yeah. B and Rakim. It's a damn shame. Big Daddy Kane, Chub Rock, yeah. Wu Tang, you know, all these classic um breakbeats and funk tracks and hip hop mm. tracks and this whole body of music that's so has educated B boys and hip hop people so much about hip hop music. Like I love break breaking music so much that it made me learn about music. Yeah, yeah. And I think most real B boys are the same way. And that's one thing that always makes me sad, kind of that they can't play classic tracks because yeah. that is one of the ways that you educate the public about this culture. Yo, show them where it came from, man. James Brown, give it up, turn it loose. Yep. Sex Machine, Soul Power, you know what I mean? And when you take that away and make it a little more electronical, I'm cool with that, you know? Yeah. Like, like, and, and, and once again, shout out to the DJs that are on the forefront of that, that are yep. making it fit in that format and yep. doing the best they can, you know? It, but it's just different. Yeah, it's, you know? it's it is different, and yeah, I, I I hope that if that's the only hump we need to get over, I think we can probably figure out a way to do it. Um, and yeah, I think DJs like Bless One and Lean Rock and Flag Flag and you know countless others oh, have homies. been doing a really good job of like keeping kind of the essence of like what we do in yeah. the music that they produce themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and but yeah, I mean, the, but these guys are not just producers. They're like very, very talented DJs. When you give them already established music, they make, you know, they make it go crazy. So it's like, right. I really, I really hope that we can pull that back into the scene more. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's a damn shame that it's kind of come out. And I think it maybe has to do with, you know, copyrights and all that kind right. of junk. But with that corporate influence, when you're streaming it live and thousands yeah. to millions of people are viewing it, yeah, the copyrights, right? So, yeah. Yeah. yo, maybe it won't be an issue. I remember watching the Olympics and, hey, they do, like, floor routines and mm -hmm. the routine with figure skating where they're listening to music. That music's copyrighted. Yeah, I you mean, know? they probably have to get it cleared, so it's oh, maybe just shit. a really <laughs> crappy exercise of just saying here's the music we want to play let's see what we can get cleared and right. you know maybe it's like here's 200 tracks let's cut it you know let's see what what goes through okay it's only 100 let's see what we can do with 100 mm -hmm. maybe that's what you got to do but uh it'd be nice to see that come back into and especially on the stage of the olympics where a lot of people are going to see it you know and uh um with that being said i think the other thing that i am a little bit worried about is how judging is going to happen in right. the Olympics because it's like, I think breaking is such a, uh, uh, like a subjective thing. Right. You know, it's, it, you're judging an art form. And I think most B-boys understand this, that you win or lose a jam. And it's not that you actually won or lost. It's more that the judges maybe they liked your style or didn't like your style that exactly. day, you know? And so uh, there's a lot of opinion involved with that. I mean, the most unbiased judge is still biased. And that's because no matter what they do, you know, no matter how many things they try to draw away uh, from swaying their opinion, they're still going to go all things being equal, this style versus that style, what breaks the tie I like that guy's style better than that guy's style. Mm -hmm. Everything else being equal. No flops, 
you know, perfect execution of everything, right. same difficulty or whatever, mm -hmm. same musicality. What, what breaks the tie? It's always going to be, I like that style more than that one. Right. So to me that there's an inherent bias in there. Mm -hmm. that, so knowing that, how do you reconcile that in the Olympic setting where you need to have some objective criteria right. to judge on? Because you can't just point with your hand, right? Yeah. You have to have like I a mean, because that's how we traditionally do it is we point <laughs> to the winner who we think wins the battle, usually like round for round or whatever, whatever way you judge. But, you know, for the Olympics, you got, um, you got like, uh, oh, goes here. Um, you're going to need some kind of criteria to judge on that is stable for everything. Right. Yeah. And, I'm trying to figure out a good way to do that. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. Because um, I, <laughs> I guess for like gymnastics, right? You got, uh, you know, usually there's like a floor routine and they'll say, okay, I'm going to do these moves and whatever. And then they, it's they, all point system, point, point system. They'll deduct, uh, based on how you executed or whatever. So a lot of it just has to do with execution. And I think you can probably do that for breaking is give an execution score, but I don't think that's going to really, do cut it for what we need it to do because you know you can execute a whole lot of trash <laughs> right nicely well, you know what i mean or a whole yeah. lot of biting very nicely and maybe exactly you know where where does it wh where do you cut that kind of stuff out you know and that's right. where you get this creative score i don't know how you do that though is i i don't know man uh, to me i feel like the creative score would be like one of the most important parts because otherwise when you're quantifying everything it's just going to be about who could do the most flares and the most head spins you know <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah. going to be whatever kid has the longest power set's going to win probably right if yeah, you're just yeah, yeah. like you know like a, a score for like your legs were straight or something yeah and that's another thing is like people have different styles how they do power even yeah the quant the most quantifiable part of breaking right so how do you even determine what a set in stone score is going to be yeah. you know and then how do you how do you score footwork originality style burns yeah. you know are you gonna are you gonna get a penalty if you freaking you know make a gun with your hand and put in the dude's face or yeah yeah if yeah you do stuff that's already involved in breaking but it's like not involved in other sports yeah like they don't want to see that in that groin you know what i mean like are you gonna be penalized and stuff like yeah that? I, i'm afraid that that's probably gonna happen <laughs> um right but yeah I, I almost think you, what you need to do is embrace the bias and say, you know, this is part of what we do because it's a creative, it's a creative thing. Right. And so what you need to do is have a huge, you know, you need to have this pool of other creatives that are knowledgeable about the dance mm -hmm. and, and give their opinion on what happens. And I mean, yeah, you can give them criteria like what, is a good execution and bad execution score and they can factor that into what their overall opinion is but i think if you somewhat embrace it a little bit but try to weed out the bad opinions by having tons of judges okay you know so like traditionally we only have like three judges maybe okay. five judges for a battle right mm -hmm. I'm thinking, like, what if for the Olympics you just had, like, 20 judges? Oh, well. You know? Because in, in, yeah. in a way, I think it, it actually stays kind of true to what bre breaking is. Is like, 
back before any competitions existed, you were breaking, you were battling. Say me and you are battling, like, what are we trying to do? We're trying to blow the other person up right. and have the crowd go like, oh, that guy got burned. You know what I mean? Right. And so in a way, these judges are the crowd, except right. they're not just like bystanders. They're, they're like qualified. They're, they're very knowledgeable people, and they have right. their opinion holds a lot of weight now. And so right. I think... I think if you had that, it would at least get rid of, you know, the, the, the few guys that are, like, trying to vote for their homies or whatever. Right. You know, hopefully you can vet out. <laughs> That's the, always going to be a thing, dude. Hopefully you can. Yeah, it, it will be. Yeah. I think if you can at least vet out the judges well enough so that you know that they're not going to outwardly do that um, uh, or obviously do that, right. um, they at least have a little bit of honor in, like, their judging um, and then, but you have like 20 of them and yeah, we know that it's probably going to happen a little bit unconsciously, but it's going to get weeded out because you have this huge, this multitude of judges from different countries, different backgrounds, different eras, yep. giving these opinions on it. So you have a diverse judge just panel. Just a diverse judging panel. I that's almost good. think that that's maybe the fairest way to do it yeah, and, and still hold true to what breaking is. Well, because that way, too, if you got 12 judges or 15 judges on your side, you know you really won. Yeah, yeah, If you got exactly. that many people, you know, saying that you got it, then that's a little bit easier, I think, to accept. Yeah, because um, all, all these other um, judging systems, while I think it's like they're, they're trying to nail down criteria for judging, I think they're also showing the holes in judging to me like dizzy's system for instance i think he's he's made a good effort to try to nail it down but he's also pointed out that you know you can have all these things you could score 100 percent on his scorecard but i could still think you lost right like like if you went back to the example of like yawn right so you had the, the one of everything B-Boy versus Yon who just say he just does his like typical little flow kind of move and hits a crazy freeze, you know, he'd right. probably score high in certain things and not high in other ones if he just did something like that. And then maybe you had some other guy that hits whatever and maybe he scores really high in all these categories. Right. In, the, in Jizzy's system, I think maybe that guy would win. But in another system, some, you'd probably go with Yon, I would think. Totally. Because he's just... You know, maybe he's he's mastered that style so much more than this guy, and that's that depends on the outcome of what what it is we're going for here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so yeah, and so I think with Dizzy's system, what it's pointed out to me at least is that it 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 tailors you to have a certain style to win that kind of battle, but yeah, inherently you don't need to do that to be a good b boy, and so I. I think he's at least like given good categories for what breaking what can constitute a good b-boy but I also think that there's other categories I also think you shouldn't just have one single person judging on each of those categories because again you're introducing a lot of bias that you probably don't want to have in it so my my perspective is that you'd have all of the judges vote on each of those aspects would probably be a little more fair but again, I think maybe what you do is you just say, here's, this is, this is what we define as all this stuff. And then give it to these 20 judges or whatever. They can use it or they can't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they, they just do what choose. they want. I they like do that. what they want. It's okay. like, 
I trust that they have the experience and knowledge to know like what they like and what they don't. Right. And and they can back up their opinion. I guess the the issue then comes where the public might come forward and go like, okay, well, why did this guy win and that guy didn't win? And then now you got a whole slew of people giving a bunch of commentary on why that is, and there's nothing objective about it. It's just my opinion was this, my opinion was this, my opinion was this, and you sum it all together to say, okay, that's why that guy edged over this guy. I don't know, but I think this is the conversation that – needs to happen in totally the so we can have some kind of like basis yeah, yeah yeah um i'm sorry to interrupt but can i go to the bathroom real quick oh yeah yeah sorry yeah, i definitely. drink like a gallon of water today. <laughs> oh shoot no no uh what are we talking about breaking olympics another thing that i think is going to be really interesting to see which we're already experiencing is the corporate sponsorship influence mm-hmm. and how that's going to be a thing i mean you know, um, this is already happening in a lot of ways in B-Boy already. I'll just give an example. It, it like, could happen in the Olympics. Let's say, you know, let's say, like, Team USA is sponsored by Nike, right? Mm-hmm. And they're in there, and they're all Nike'd up, which, hey, we like Nikes. I freaking love them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a Nike freaking billboard inside the arena, and then they win, and you look at the judges, and all the judges have Nike tracksuits on. You know what I mean? It's, like, mm-hmm. one of those things where you're like, oh... Nike kind of bought this one. <laughs> they bought it, yeah. Well, but I didn't think I about that. Yeah. To me, I kind of see that as as a negative part because, you know, there's so much money flying around, and and uh, I think for for b boys, it's hard to get a job, dude. Yeah, it's hard to get a job. Everything compromises your ability to break. You know, yeah. unless if your job is breaking. Unless it is breaking. And then those jobs are very competitive with other people that break. Yeah. So if somebody, some corporate sponsor comes in and says, "Yo," Your rent's covered plus this amount plus you're yeah. geared up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, they're yeah. going to be controlling those. They're going to be like little breaking puppets, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no. I don't, you know, I don't know. That's just a, a, a fear I would have of, of breaking, blowing up. But I don't want to go forward with fear. I want to go forward, you know, with the love for it and the understanding that we're going to, you know, th- those same people are going to be involved. I think people you mentioned like Lean Rock, Bless One, um, flag who, you know, those same guys turn around and they go back into their local communities and throw dope jams yep. that are raw where they play the original break beats and they hire yeah. on OG DJs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, actually Lean Rock's been doing a series with Juice and they've been awesome. It's been two so far. It's called Styles No Joking. Mm. It's just a raw hip hop jam in the park. Mm. And so, you know. Yeah, that's tight. Yeah. I just I just think it's important and, and I think it's important for those of us that work professionally in in um, whether it's the entertainment industry or education or the nonprofit sector to always try, if you can try and find a way to give back, you know, and that that's why, like, yeah, I do gigs. Like I'll do, if, if people come to me and I, and I like it, I'll do, you know, music videos or commercials or whatever. Like, I've been in a, mm. in a breaking movie, like, mm. but I'm a person that you will see like at a rec center teaching kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. And like, I also, have a lot of experience and knowledge in this culture. And I, and I turn around and put that into my lifestyle. Yeah. So I think that's important because, you know, hip hop, they say each one teach one. Uh-huh. So that's like a thing that we have to keep alive. Yeah. Yeah. I think the each one teach one is like a staple kind of thing in the whole, all of hip hop culture that uh, I feel like you got to be in hip hop to like really understand it. But it's something that is, 
so important to everything, really. I mean, because it's 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 spreading your knowledge to someone else, and mm -hmm. I think that that's the uh, that's the overall um, that's the overall thing we're trying to go with with hip hop is like because it, it's ever growing and uh, you know new faces into it obviously need to get put on and and they need to they need to end up eventually putting someone else on too and so right i guess instilling that behavior in them is is, is important mm -hmm. yeah yeah man because you know it's different now you don't get those those teachings through um youtube <laughs> yeah you don't or the or the feed on instagram you know yeah. the popular most popular feed yeah yeah um so i don't know man <laughs> Yeah, um, well, got a lot of stuff I could keep talking to you about, but probably we should end this show um, since I think we've done quite a bit. Oh, okay. Um, uh, well, so it's good having you. I'd love to have you on again. There's tons to talk to you about. Um, I know you've been um, you've been uh, doing tons of stuff in uh, your career and in hip hop, and so like. Do you want to plug anything before we end this show? Yeah. Um, let me see here. If I could real quick, I would definitely want to say um, if you come to L.A., you want to come to practice, come to Juice. Juice. Um, all the info is on Facebook, Juice Hip Hop, or Instagram, at Juice Hip Hop. And um, that's just a classic practice spot, you know. Um, another thing that's very important is um, – Letting people know when people come to you with those with those misconceptions and they say like, oh, you know, like, um, did you where can I take a class to learn breaking? It's like, yo, none of us learn in a class. We learn from an open session. Tell people that. Let them know. Yeah, this is not this is a community thing. It's not just, you know, like I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people did. And nowadays, even more people, you know, have learned in a class, but then they graduated and went started going to open practice. I would say, you know, don't let not finding a class stray you away from it, it yeah, and man. and don't be afraid to take a class i mean that's good that there's resources out there mm -hmm. but like you know obviously none of us took classes and we figured out how to do it so it's you know it's there and it's it, there's tons of people out there to help you out and so right they'll point you to in the right direction and then you know as you get more into it yeah there's classes there's a lot there's tons of resources yeah my brother has his youtube channel if you want to just learn Dude. some moves and stuff it's tons of stuff out there yep, there is and and with that i feel like the more that we can uphold each other and push each other up and give each other give each other resources and honor each other as teaching artists as ogs as like you said like soldiers in the culture that's the best because we're we're basically making ourselves more valuable to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, like one thing that I'm always trying to push on my, upon myself, especially, but then upon other people who are younger, who I see them going in, down a professional path is like, yo, your professional development, dude, how mm. is your resume? What could you really do with this? Yeah. 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 You know? And, um, I love that. I like, like moving here, living here in LA, I've gotten so many crazy opportunities, you know? Um, like I've done work as a, as a cultural ambassador of the United States and other countries. You know, wow, that's yeah, interesting, bro. And I love it. And I, and one of the reasons is because when somebody asked me to make a, a two week long program and a curriculum, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you tomorrow. Like when people ask hmm. me to do something professionally, and this is as a, as an artist too, I always say yes. If I want, if I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, I feel respected as whatever I'm doing. 
Um, I always say yes, and I always bust my ass to do my best mm-hmm. because, bam, now I could say I'm a cultural ambassador. <laughs> That's you know tight. what I mean? And it just expands. It expands your the dimensions of your resume, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the stuff you could do. Like, hip-hop is legit. Why do you think people get paid millions of dollars to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, b-boying is one of the elements of hip-hop culture, which unfortunately is the most overlooked. Overlooked. Underutilized correctly and and has the least professional development. If you mm-hmm. you know, I seen graffiti artists now that are millionaires just on the strength of them building their mm. own branding, and it's just one guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Same thing with producers and DJs. Same yeah. thing with MCs. B boys, we don't have that because we just break until our bodies break, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think the more we can add extra dimensions to what we're doing and make people respect that, yeah, it'll it'll get better for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well dope i mean that that's actually a really good topic to jump into in like another show i'd love to do that with you if you're if you're open to that well but anyway so thank you for coming i think this was a great show um and it was great talking to you man too bro thank you for having me yep thank you guys for listening peace